Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The harvest continued apace over the weekend and initial yields were positive. However, it has certainly slowed during midweek with all the rain. It's been a great year so far to gather straw and to get it clear from the fields. However, there are close to 2,000 farmers entered into the straw incorporation measure with the Department of Agriculture. These farmers are now faced with getting the straw chopped and incorporated into the ground in the coming weeks. This process of straw incorporation is quite new to many farmers, but not so much to others. However, farmers who manage the process carefully can expect few problems succeeding crops. I'm delighted today to be joined by Dermot Forrestal, a researcher in Oak Park, to chat through the do's and don'ts around straw incorporation this year. Dermot, you're very welcome to the podcast. Before we get into how to successfully incorporate straw, I just want to ask you about the differences in the types of straw that are there. I mean, how different is oaten straw in comparison to barley straw? Compared to barley straw, oaten straw is different. Um, in, in terms of its constituents or makeup, I suppose, uh, in terms of lignin content, it would be quite a bit higher than barley straw, but not that much different from wheat and straw. So, but it would be it would be higher in that context. Uh, the highest one with lignin altogether actually is oilseed rape. That higher lignin content does mean it, it's slower to break down, uh, which is a positive actually from the point of view of carbon retention in the soils but it does mean it's a bit slower to break down. The other thing, of course, with oat and straw, particularly if it's winter oat and straw, is that it normally yields, uh, it has a big yield there, you know, so there's normally, compared to, say, spring barley, you could have maybe 30 or 40% more yield than a, a spring barley crop, uh, typically 20 to 30, and uh, compared to winter barley, it can vary, but maybe 10% more yield in some cases. Um, and also, it'll tend to have less ripe straw at harvest. Uh, the the oaten straw is less ripe. So all of those things makes, uh, you know, will have a little bit of impact on, 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 on incorporation, if you like, or how important incorporation is to make sure that the straw is broken down properly without causing problems. Okay. And when, you, when we consider that in terms of difference between the straw and, and their properties, are they broken down differently in the soil then? They are in, in terms of the time it takes, I suppose, to do it. Like if you have volume there, if you have greener straw there, and if you have higher lignin, it's going to take that bit more time uh, if you have the very same treatment. But I suppose what you try to do is, you know, you try to, to, to swing the odds a little bit in your favor to, so that you make sure you do a very good job chopping that straw and then a very good job spreading it and then a very good job incorporating it. So I think that's how you, you try and deal with it. Okay. And the straw breakdown process, it is pretty complex in, in terms of the, the, the flora and fauna, essentially, that, that actually breaks it down within the soil. Could you maybe give us an idea about what interacts with what to, to, to get that process um, started and, and, and uh, I suppose broken down in the end? Yeah, look, it is, it is very complex and I don't for a minute... Uh, uh, claim to understand that the, the processes in their entirety that go on there. Like obviously people are aware that earthworms will start moving straw into the soil and so on. But basically the process is a microbial process, right? So you're talking about uh, fungi and bacteria and all those microorganisms actually uh, causing the breakdown. And straw is, is a high carbon product, which is good for the soil. But at the point that it's straw, if you like, the nitrogen hopefully is gone and is in the crop. So you have a, a high carbon to nitrogen ratio. Okay, so that, that means that when you have this microbial breakdown, when the, the material starts to break down, 
it's trying to draw a lot of nitrogen out of the soil to support that process, right? So um, it is known that the, 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 the microbial act activity, if you like, it pulls on the soil nitrogen reserves at that time. And years ago, people certainly in the UK used to be concerned about that. And do we need to add a bit of nitrogen to, uh, to the process to help it along? I think the research would say no. I think that the research would say, look, it'll, it'll proceed. It will use up any some soil nitrogen that's there and lock it up into a more organic form from uh, at the end of the year. From a leaching perspective, that's not a bad thing. Uh, it does take it out of the immediate available nitrogen pool. But there, uh, you know, the research would say there isn't really a need to add nitrogen to that. But yes, it's a complex process. Those bugs need to be fed. They're fed from the soil. But we also need to help um, the, the whole process by having good contact between the soil and the straw. Okay, so chopping the, the straw would be, I presume, relatively important to ensure rapid incorporation um, and, and I suppose digestion by all those microbes in, in the soil. Is there an ideal length of straw that we should be trying to aim for? And in the same breath, is there anything we can do on combines to adjust the settings to make sure that it's, it's the length we want? Yeah, there's some there's some adjustment. I think most of the straw chop lengths, you know, they're, they're aiming to have, uh, I suppose, a mean length somewhere less than 25 millimeters or in old terms, an inch or something like that. Now, much of the, a lot of the material coming out will be much finer than that, but also a lot will be longer because, you know, it depends on how the straw becomes aligned with the knives and the, the counter knives as it's going through the chopper. So that's what it's trying to do. I think there is a little bit more emphasis from combine manufacturers now because those bigger combines uh, that are out there they have a lot of throughput of straw. There's a lot of straw going through. And I think a lot of the choppers, it was being forced through them, uh, was getting through them chopped, but maybe not chopped as fine as, as you'd like. So a lot of the manufacturers now have upped uh, the chopping spec, if you like, on the back of combines. They also offer, which is important uh, for people when they're buying combines, they're also offering choice. Some of them are offering a finer cut chopper on the combine at the time you purchase the combine. So that's something that's worthy of consideration. Uh, you know, particularly if you're in min till or direct drill where you're not, or direct drill particularly where you're not going to get to incorporate much in terms of tillage actions. So, you know, a very fine chop might be worth more there. In terms of variation or setting on the machine, that's a bit more limited. You can move the counter knife position on them and that will have some impact on, on chop length. All right. So there's something can be done there. And of course, you can ensure that knives are sharp or that they're turned. They usually can turn them. Maybe some, the straight knives can be sharpened. Others might need to be changed or whatever. So it's, it's down to maintenance in, okay. in context. So then how quickly after harvest should straw be incorporated for best effect? Yeah, I think, you know, from the point of view of chopping and incorporation, it should be straight away. I think what you need to do, first of all, is ensure we mentioned about chopping, is that the combine has a very good spreading capacity. So it spreads evenly. Again, very wide headers. You need good chopper design to spread it evenly. And you need to set that spreading element quite well. So that even in windy conditions that you're trying to get an even spread. Then, as you say, Michael, yeah, you, you really want to incorporate as soon as possible. But the only limitation that's there is that if you are practicing stale seabeds, depending on the particular weeds, grass weeds that you're chasing, you might not want to incorporate them straight away. So you, because it, by incorporating them straight away, you basically they go into dormancy and they don't shit for you. So that is the limitation in some cases. Okay. And is there any particular weed or, or, or crop you had in mind for that? 
Well, I think, you know, Michael, you probably know these better than I do, but like rye and soft brome, for instance, or indeed oilseed rape itself, those ones are ones that you would prefer to let chit themselves first rather than incorporating them. Yeah, ideally leave them there for two to three weeks if you could, at least three yeah. weeks probably, if you could yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Some so, of the others like sterile brome would be okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's more ideal to, for, for like sterile brome and grape brome to actually get them incorporated as soon as you can. Yeah. So um, then from the point of view of incorporating the um, material, I suppose, or the straw into the ground, is there is there a best way of doing it? Is there, you know, in terms of uh, depth or you leave it more shallow or what's the what's the thinking there? Yeah, look, there's there's huge variations there and there's a lot of limitations in terms of what people have at their disposal and what they're trying to do. Like if you're a direct drill uh, farmer, you're not going to effectively incorporate it at all. Um, so you know there's a lot of variation what 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 people do so you can you know you can still incorporate you know quite a, a quantity of straw in a relatively small depth uh, of cultivation if you want to do that so you would have some machines which are literally running you know 50 uh, millimeters uh, that sort of depth two inches uh, and you know maybe 50 to 75 millimeters and they can effectively uh, give you very good incorporation at that level so you know, you don't need to have a huge depth, but if you want to get it down to, if you have a very big yield in that, sometimes it might help you a little bit if you have the choice of going to, to a, a greater depth than that. So it's possible to do it at, at different depths. Then depending on whether you're going to plow afterwards or min till, it'll determine where that organic material, if you like, is going to be. Is it going to be in a shallow layer towards the top, which might be advantageous in some cases, or is it going to be distributed down through a, a deeper profile? So there's a lots of, of variabilities there possible, Michael, and, and you can still incorporate. Well, the, certainly the TAMS grant has had its effect on, on, on the ground, and I say there's probably isn't a, a, a scarce farm out there that hasn't bought some sort of a new bit of um, either a disc or some sort of an incorporation type machine over the last two or three years. Does it make any difference in terms of whether you use a disc or a time-based system? Yeah, look, they, they work slightly differently, obviously. Um, you know, the modern discs, um, you know, you won't have the choice maybe of depth, particularly in a dry season that you would with a time, okay? But what they will do is they'll tend not to bring up stones. They'll tend to give good contact within their working depth, you know, so they will do a good cultivation job and a good incorporation job of chopped straw in that area. A tine machine will give you more flexibility. Uh, usually there's, there's, you know, if there happens to be big volumes of straw, poorly chopped and poorly distributed, you know, you'll have, you know, they won't get blocked or anything like that. They'll give you a choice in terms of depth if you want to go deep. But as I say, you might not want to go deep. So, um, the, and but but you do need to often to change the tips on the, those tines depending on the depth you're working to. Uh, because they're designed slightly differently. You'd have wide sweep times for shallow working, and you might have a different design then uh, for working a bit deeper. Um, the plow, if you like, will 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 turn turn um, straw or incorporate straw for you as well, but it'll tend to have it a little bit in the layer. And for that reason, uh, the straw incorporation measure says that if you are plowing, you still need to incorporate uh, with another tool or mix it uh, prior to plowing. So those are the kind of different options. Okay. So then from that point of view, then, so a farmer has incorporated um, maybe once. Is there a need for that to be incorporated again, do you think, uh, to ensure it breaks down that bit quicker or, yeah. for, or for other reasons, maybe? 
No, I would say in terms of the incorporation, I would say, you know, the minimum number of passes, the better. Like, I mean, in all our work, you know, even if we're plowing to depth ultimately in that, but we want to reduce the amount of work that we're doing on soils. So if we can get it incorporated in one in one uh, pass, I think all the better for that. Like the, and, and, and to avoid chilling and maybe drying out the soil, but also, you know, the, the, the slight loss of greenhouse gases that you have with every operation, if you like. The exception though to that though, is if you're trying to mix that with stale seabeds, right? Uh, so if you are practicing stale seabeds and maybe multiple stale seabeds where you have a sterile probe problem, for instance, well then in that situation, you'll probably end up uh, maybe trying to get two chits of seed between the harvest and the sowing of the next crop. And in that case, there's going to be two cultivations, two efforts, if you like, of strong cooperation as well while you're doing that. Okay. And to, to achieve good chitting, I suppose ideally we probably should be rolling afterwards to get that best uh, soil to seed contact. Is that is it best, do you think, to, um, or is it desirable maybe to, role in a an incorporation scenario anyway yeah look i think i think an incorporation scenario is going to chit those seeds so you may as well do it properly and yeah look some some machines are better than others some incorporate incorporate quite a bit of pressing or rolling within the individual machine and those will retain moisture a bit better they will allow i suppose uh the, the, the volunteers and grass and grass weeds, if you like, to germinate. So in that context, I think it's probably is better to have some degree of that. But from the point of view of strong cooperation, it can be done without that if you want to. Now, many of the older stubble cultivators that might be brought back out have, you know, they may be time machines with no, no packer or no nothing like that at all at the back. And again, you know, rolling after those might be better practice. It, it will give you better soil straw contact. So even from a strong cooperation point of view, it'll be some benefit. Uh, and of course, if it's um, if stale seabed technique, it'll be of a lot of benefit. And you, you, you think kind of a standard packer is nearly good enough, is it, on, on some of these machines well, that they sold at the moment? Or? Yeah, it, it, it'll help a little bit. It, it'll help a little bit, but no, I think, you know, some of the, the other, some of them will have double packing, if you like, um, roller type packing at the back of machines. Like they would be very near eliminating the need for a separate rolling but some of the other packers would be a little bit less than that. So there's there's intermediates there, Michael, you know. So as I say, all of them will allow the straw to be incorporated. I think you want fairly close soil uh, straw uh, contact. I think packers within the, within the machines would probably achieve that. But if you want really good moisture conservation and dry conditions, you want to make sure that it's well packed and that may be you know, a, a machine with a good integral packing or two packing elements or a separate rolling. In that case. I, I suppose Dermot, the same as any, any, every farm is different and probably even on, on most farms, they have different soils, so they will react differently. And, and perhaps the best way for a farmer to really get his head around that is to, um, you know, do a little bit of experimentation. Some parts of it rolled, more parts of it not. It'll give, an, it'll give the farmer an idea about the level of chit uh, that, that, that is, uh, that's going on afterwards. As I, I would presume if we're if, if the farmer gets a really good chit, the chances are it's better soil to seed contact versus where it's not. And and yes. plus maybe better straw breakdown ultimately. Yes, I think I, I know that's that's a very good point because you know you can talk about discs, do you need this or a different type, do you need that? There's huge variation to be honest, between how the discs, even though a machine that might look similar, uh, 
uh, you know, the, the kind of conditions that are left after, that can vary an awful lot. So you're dead right, Michael. It's about setting the machine or indeed uh, beyond that, about making a judgment based on what you get from the machine as to whether to benefit from separate rolling or not. Yeah. So finally, Dermot, just the last question. Um, is there anything else that, that, that farmers should be taking into consideration in terms of straw chopping? And I'm, I'm probably thinking here more about the next crop that, that, that's going in. Yeah, look, I think you'd want to, as I say, if you do it right and everything, the, the straw breakdown itself shouldn't be a huge issue, right? Like Because if you have lumps of straw unchopped in the field and bury those in, they will interfere, the breakdown or whatever, might interfere in areas with germination. And everybody has seen that patchy bits after that or whatever. But the one thing that it can do, uh, straw, even good straw chopping, can increase the amount of slugs that are there, um, particularly if you're after an oilseed rape crop. And separately, you know, if, if you're after a cereal crop, but you're sowing oilseed rape after it, those slugs might cause you a lot of problems. So you need to be um, a little bit careful from, from, from that perspe perspective. The other thing I'd say, Michael, though, is that people need also, in terms of the benefits, like there are benefits from strong cooperation. That's why there's measures out there uh, to support farmers doing it and so on. But people do need to be realistic in terms of their expectations. It's not kind of if you haven't incorporated straw, it's not transformative the day you do it, that the next year you have more workable soil and so on and so forth. Like the research would clearly show that it takes a number of years for those, even those physical benefits to build up. And, you know, if you're talking about long-term impacts on carbon, you're talking about maybe continually uh, incorporating straw for a generation before you get that to a measurable level. So you are doing good, but I think your expectations not to be expecting to see something massively different in next year's crop. Uh, you are doing good, but it's a long-term approach to a more sustainable uh, management of soil. Yeah, well, maybe that's a good place to leave it and, and, and maybe in, along the lines of, Hopefully the, uh, the the scheme is a more long-term scheme because that's obviously what's uh, what's needed if you're to get the benefit out of it. Dermot, thank you very much for your time. Um, delighted to have you again on the on the podcast. Uh, really uh, informative information there, and uh, delighted you could join us. Thank you, Michael. So that's it for Tillage Edge. My thanks to Dermot for joining me today. It's a busy time of the year, and everyone's working long hours and machinery most days. With long hours, safety awareness can slip and mistakes can begin to creep in. So remember to take regular breaks and keep safety for yourself, your loved ones and employees to the forefront of your mind. And finally, don't forget, if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.